0: I woke up this morning and there's a little box that sits on my desk and I speak to that box and I say, what's my update? And that box tells me what the current temperature is and what the forecast for the day is. If I have any appointments, it tells me what my next appointment is. And then it plays the news for me. And so I'm caught up on the news around the world. During the course of the day, you and I, we can go online, we can read the news from all over the world, we can get on our TVs and see the news, we can turn on the radio, we can turn on a satellite radio, and we can hear news instantly from around the world. This last couple of weeks, I can't tell you how many times I went to a website called IsTheShipStillStuck.com. see whether or not the Ever Given was still stuck in the Suez Canal. And it also told me exactly how many billions of dollars had been lost up to that minute in shipping costs. And with a map, there was a map on the page with the exact GPS location of a ship on the other side of the world. There it was, its exact location. We have up-to-the-minute news. We have information, precise information from around the world, all the information we could ever want, all the information we could ever digest. And yet, we're reminded with Easter that we, what we can know by information is not always the same as what we can know by faith. There was no instant global news network on that first Easter morning. News of Jesus' resurrection did not spread by Google. Uh, news of Jesus' resurrection spread by person-to-person, bit-by-bit. And we read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the same story, but with different details, different emphases. And we realize that, that, that no one had the complete information that morning. But what they had was enough. It was enough to spark faith. It was enough to launch a movement. It was enough to change their world and change their lives. We're going to look at Mark's account of the resurrection this morning. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. If you've got a Bible handy, I'd love to have you follow along. Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. We begin there. When the Sabbath was passed... there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, if you notice, if you're following along in your Bible, there's very likely a notation that the editors have added into your Bible there. At the end of verse 8, the notation in my Bible reads this, Some of the earliest manuscripts do not include 16 verses 9 through 20. If you stop there at at verse 8, those other verses that follow, those verses have Jesus, well, they have Jesus seeing, the, the disciples seeing Jesus. They have them hearing Jesus. They have Jesus commissioning them, telling them to go and spread the gospel. But it's amazing to consider that in some of the earliest manuscripts, those words aren't, aren't included. And if you were a part of the early church, you may not have had that part of the story. I want you to think about that today. If you were part of the early church, you may not have had the whole story. If, imagine, you're, you're a believer in the first centuries of the church. You're part of a Christian community tucked away in some corner of the Roman Empire. You don't have a Bible because there's no such thing as a Bible yet. It's not been, a, it's not been put together. It's not been, put, it's not been assembled. And even if you did have a Bible, chances are you couldn't read it because most likely you're illiterate. Someone would have to read it to you. But what you and your little community have are a few scraps of parchment, a little bit of this letter, a little bit of this gospel, just just a few pieces here and there. And you have the gospel of Mark, but it ends in verse eight. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid what would that do to your faith? Could you, could you grow your faith from those words? Could you, could you hold firm to your belief Would this message of the empty tomb, would it be able to change your life? Well, think about this. You're a Christian in 2021. You've just been through the most difficult year of your life. You have endured things that you never thought you would have to endure. You made sacrifices you never were prepared to make. You locked yourself away, sheltering in place for months, worried about a a sickness that was out there. And rather than a shortage of information... You have all the information you could want. There is no end to the news that's available. There's no end to opinions. And everybody's got a view and everybody's got a belief. And yet we come to Easter. We come to the empty tomb. And we come to this scrap of Scripture at the end of the Gospel of Mark. This scrap of Scripture that ends with the word afraid. And there's something, even in this little story, in this Easter without an Easter, this Easter without a Christ in it, there's something in this story for us to hold on to. There is something here that builds our faith. So if this is all you had, If this was all that you had of who the resurrected Jesus is, what is it you would know from this story? What would you be able to believe? What would there be for you to hold on to? One of the things that you would have to see is that the hardest thing that you can imagine doing, Jesus has already done for you. Mark tells the story of the first Easter with No anticipation of resurrection. The women go to the tomb to finish the job that they couldn't do on Friday. They are taking spices to anoint the dead body of Jesus to keep the stench of death down while he rots. Those are the facts. Those are the facts as they knew them to be. That's what they had to do. And as, as they go, they are prepared. They've come at the right time. It's Sunday morning. It's no longer the Sabbath, so they're free to go there. It, uh, they've brought the right equipment. They've brought the right spices. They, they know what they have to do. There's just one, one little detail they forgot. Verse 3 tells us, And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance Of the tomb. I want you to think about that. They've prepared. They've come at the right time. They've brought the right equipment. They are ready, but they hadn't considered the one obstacle that was in their way. You know, you and I are right there with them. Uh, we can have life all figured out. We can make the best plans and think we've got it all together. We can prepare for every difficulty and every curve life can throw at us and then boom, we're just stuck. We're stuck with this major obstacle in front of us that you and I simply can't move. We can't get around. You know, you know for centuries, for centuries people thought, wouldn't it be great If there was a waterway, if there was a connection between the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea. For centuries, people thought that. Back in the 1800s, for two years, they planned to dig a canal, the Suez Canal. And then for 10 years, they dug that canal. And then a few years ago... 2015, it took three years to build that container ship, the Ever Given, three years to build that massive ship. It took hours, days to fill that ship and get it ready to carry its cargo. All of those plans coming together, all of that ingenuity, all of that wonderful, wonderful thoughts and abilities and and the ability that we had to build something like that, and then... A massive windstorm, a, a dust storm, and suddenly the ship is stuck sideways, and suddenly $59 billion worth of shipping is stuck. Ah, all of that planning and all of that ingenuity, and yet we ended up with a greater debt than we could even imagine. You know, that's kind of a picture of what happens in our sin. That's kind of a picture of what happens with our own sin, with our own failings. You and I have bankrupted ourselves. We have a debt we could never pay. We have shipwrecked our lives. We have shipwrecked our eternities with our failures. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. That is a debt that we cannot begin to pay we've lost before we've even started but this passage reminds us that the hardest thing that we could ever imagine doing jesus has already done for us we can we can look like we've got it all together Uh, we can try to get by with our own strength as best as we can with our own intellect with our own ingenuity and we will always fail We're always going to have that obstacle of sin that we cannot move. But just as He rolled away the stone, Jesus removes that obstacle for us. Through His death on the cross, your debt is paid. Your failures are forgotten. And that which seemed immovable, that which seemed too heavy for you, has been rolled away by His power and rolled away by His love. These few little verses... Tell us that, this little scrap of, of Scripture. With nothing beyond verse 8, we see that the stone is rolled away and we know that our sin has been paid for. These eight little verses also tell us that we have nothing to fear. The women come to the empty tomb. They find that the one thing that they haven't prepared for has been done for them. They peek into the empty tomb, and what do they expect to find? What do they think they're going to see? Uh, No idea. I have no idea what they thought, but they weren't prepared for what they saw next. Verse 4 continues and tells us, And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You hear those words, do not be alarmed. And you hear that as a promise from Jesus, whatever it is that frightens us, he calms our fears. There's been a lot of talk about fear over the past year, fear of the virus, fear of what's happening to our economy, fear of what's happening in our world, fear of the unrest that we see around us. Someone has said that fear, F-E-A-R, fear stands for one of two things. Fear can stand for forget everything and run. And maybe that's the kind of fear that you've experienced, a fear where you run and hide, where you try to avoid conflict, where you try to avoid pain. But fear can stand for something else also. Fear can stand for face everything and rise. The difference is what you choose to do with your fear. Some of our biggest fears are the what-if fears. What if... Life could be different. What if life could be? What what would life be like if I would stop running from God? What would life be like if I let go of my pain and I let go of my hurt? What would life be like if I stopped being motivated by my fear and instead was motivated by Jesus' love for me? What if I could see myself as God sees me, free from my fear, free of my worries, free of even my anger? No longer paralyzed, but giving myself completely over to Him this year. As we led up to Easter, we set up what we called Stones of Remembrance. We had some stones available in our entry area and we asked people to write down on those stones something that God blessed them with through 2020, a year that took so much from us. What did we gain in those years? What blessings did we gain and what blessings can we share with others? I love this Stone of Remembrance that someone put together be not afraid isn't that great that they took away 2020 with this be not afraid you know you realize be not afraid or fear not those words occur in the bible over 80 times The most common command in the Bible is be not afraid. I think that's beautiful. The most common command in the Bible is not God reminding you of your failures. It's not God telling you what you shouldn't be doing. It's not about your bad behavior. It's not about your bad thoughts. It's not about your failure. The most common command is to stop being afraid of what you have to do. To move forward in confidence knowing that you're not alone be not afraid and that's exactly what these eight little verses teach us these eight little verses teach us that jesus never sends you forward without going before you they arrive at the tomb They find the obstacle that they hadn't prepared for. That obstacle is taken care of. They hear the message of the angel. The angel says, do not be alarmed. But where do they go from here? How do they move forward? Hear the words that the angel speaks to them next. Verses 6-7. through He said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Knowing Jesus had done what they couldn't, and knowing what Jesus has, that Jesus has done what you couldn't, He's removed the guilt of your sin, that's, that's grace. Knowing that there's no reason to be afraid, that's freedom. But the promise here is that as you move ahead in life, you are never alone. You can't help but hear a, a very personal message in verse 7. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Peter was very aware of his failure. Peter had sworn that he would never abandon Jesus and then he denied Him three times. Peter knew what his sin had cost him. He knew what his fear had done. He knew what he wasn't. But the words of the angel are words that included Peter. His sin, his failure had not cut him off from Jesus' promise. His sin and failure had not cut him off Jesus' presence. There are days when our own sin, our own failure seems heavy, seems immovable. There are times when fear hits and we want to forget everything and run. But the promise of Easter doesn't end with an empty tomb. It ends with the abiding presence of Jesus. No matter your struggle, no matter what challenges are ahead of you, He goes with you no matter where you find yourself easter promises jesus's presence with you that's the lesson that we learn from this little scrap at the end of the gospel of mark even with no appearance here no appearance of jesus himself at the end of verse 8 an easter without an easter we still hear the promise of his presence And then we come back to that very last verse, verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. (laughs) Do you hear that? They fled, trembling. They told no one they were afraid. That is the absolute opposite of the message of the angel at the empty tomb. And I think what, what you and I have to see is that we have a decision to make. Do we take Jesus at his word? Do we trust his presence even when things seem so dark? Do we hold to him? I think of the story of a man a man named Hein Pham. Hein was a Vietnamese Christian who was a translator during the, during the war. After Vietnam fell, Hein was imprisoned due to his faith. He was sentenced to a re-education camp. They took away his freedom. They took away his dignity. They obviously took away his Bible and every day they beat it into his head. There is no such thing as God." Hein held on for a long time. He prayed quietly, but God seemed silent. He seemed absent there in the, uh, the horrors of that, of that prison camp. And one night after saying his prayers and hearing nothing from God, Hein th- said to himself, I'm through. I'm through with God. He said, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to be an atheist. There will be no more prayer for me. There will be no more God. He woke up the next morning beginning his new life as an atheist. And as he prepared for the day, he stood at attention waiting for the guards to tell him what his assignment would be for that day. And that day, his job was the absolute worst job in the prison camp. He was assigned to clean the latrines. He got down in that filth and he got down in that muck and began scooping and cleaning things out. And that's when he noticed a piece of paper. very soiled piece of paper. But it looked familiar. There was writing on it. He picked it up and carefully cleaned it off and there on that little scrap of paper were the words, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. Romans eight twenty eight. Turns out that the commander of that camp had been using a Bible for toilet paper. There in that filth, I knelt down weeping, and he said, Lord, you wouldn't let me out of your reach for even one day. And with those scraps of filthy paper that he began collecting, he restored his faith. Today, it may be that all you feel like you have are scraps of filthy faith, It may feel like there is nothing complete in your faith. It may feel like there is nothing or very little that could even be called holy. But the promise of the risen Christ is that His presence is with you no matter where you are, wherever you are, wherever you have been, whatever it is that you've been through, whatever it is that you're deeply ashamed of, He has been there with you. And He's opened a way for you to be free, for you to be whole, for you to be forgiven. Your fears can't hold you back. He's already done the one thing that you could never do for yourself. Trust His promises and know His presence. That's why we celebrate Easter. And that's why we remember His gift week after week as we take the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts to take. Father, we thank you. We thank you this Easter that we can remember not just the gift of your son, but Father, we can remember what there is that that we can't do, that we could have never done for ourselves, what he's accomplished for us. Lord, the hardest thing that we could ever imagine doing, he took care of for us. And so, Lord, we, uh, we lay down our own efforts, we lay down our fears, and we trust the presence of Your Son to walk with us wherever You call us next. Lord, bless this bread that reminds us of His body broken. Bless this cup that reminds us of blood that's been shed for us. And remind us not only of the truth of His sacrifice, but the depth of His love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Happy Easter. God bless. Have a great week.